to do with a lot of talented filmmakers that love God and also happen to just love film and they're really talented. So I, I think it's a combination of God's timing and also people knowing that there's a huge audience that is hungry for some some movies that bring um, inspiration, encouragement, hope, and hopefully, you know, redemption and lead people to God. Welcome to the show. My name is Jesslyn, and today we are here with an actress, a writer, and Pure Flix co-owner, Andrea Logan-White. Say hi, Andrea. Hi, how are you guys? We are excellent. I'm going to speak on behalf of all of our audience. They're all excellent today because they're going to listen to this interview. <laughs> so first and foremost, my experience with you is from Mom's Night Out. And I'm a Birmingham native, so the fact that that was filmed in my hometown, I just loved it. Um, so what was your experience working on this set with a cast that included Patricia Heaton and Trace Adkins? Oh, my goodness. Well, I have nothing but fond memories. In fact, we shot in Birmingham. We shot nights, obviously, a.k.a. Mom's Night Out. So <laughs> what you don't realize is if you do a night film, you need to shoot six weeks, six weeks of all night. So we shot from oh, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m in May, so it was absolutely perfect. The weather was amazing. I fell in love with Birmingham, actually, and at the time, my youngest was 10 and a half weeks old, so I was uh, oh, wow. a full-time mama in between scenes and, you know, nursing a newborn. <laughs> so it was, it was really great. Patricia is incredible, very transparent, hilarious, and Trace is this big teddy bear that looks really scary, but is the sweetest guy on the planet. So it was one of my favorite movies to work with, to work for. I love that. Um, and it's actually produced by the Irwin brothers, who are behind a lot of today's Christian movies. In your opinion, uh -huh. what is the, how are Christian movies shifting? Like, it started out as kind of cheesy, but now it seems like they're getting a lot more transparent, like you mentioned, and a lot more heartfelt. Yeah, well, I think it, it has to do with a lot of talented filmmakers that love God and also happen to just love film, and they're really talented. So I, I think it's a combination of God's timing and also people knowing that there's a huge audience that is hungry for some, some movies that bring um, inspiration, encouragement, hope, and hopefully, you know, redemption and, and lead people to God. So many, many people and filmmakers that are kind of jumping in and, and riding the wave as well. I love it, and I love what you are also doing through your new book, perfectly unfinished, which the tagline is from Playboy Mansion to Jesus. Can you break that down a little bit for us? Oh my gosh. Well, that, that takes a few hours. So I, um, you know, I'm, I grew up in a small, a small town outside of Chicago in the cornfields. I grew up with two brothers. I was an athlete and uh, fast forward to graduating high school, suffering uh, some near death experiences from eating disorders. Mm. And I moved to San Diego with my dad and lived there uh, for two years and got the acting bug in college and uh, moved to L.A. My introduction to Los Angeles was the Playboy Mansion. So uh, Hef's main girlfriend at the time came up to me. I was uh, invited by a commercial agent, and she befriended me. And within literally a few months, I was at the Playboy Mansion every week with dinners and parties. And that was my um, that was my crowd. And so, unfortunately, it's not the best influence. And... Uh, you know, it took me a few years to, to and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of falling on the ground and and hitting pretty hard to realize that I needed Jesus. Mm. This wasn't one I intentionally thought about asking, but since your book has come out, actually, Hugh Hefner has died. How have you been yeah. able to reflect upon this and really consider his impact on your life for better or for worse? I, 
I was I was uh, talking about Hef in an interview, and then he actually passed away the next day. And reflecting back and looking at God's protection over many areas of my life, not to say that it was, you know, easy back at, at that time, but Hef really kind of was a father figure. And um, I was suffering at the time with some eating disorders and anorexia. And he said, you know, if you want to pose for Playboy, you need to gain weight and you need to eat your dinner. So when I would be at, at dinners with them, and he really was kind of like a, a, a sort of a father figure, and it was never perverted. It was never weird um, from him in my sense. And so that's God's sense of humor slash protection, because obviously that world was, uh, you know, it was uh, crazy and, and uh, you know, a lot of things I saw that I really didn't want to see. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I just think he was a gentleman, always a gentleman towards me. And uh, I'm grateful for how God used him in my life. And, um, you know, I, I think we are all human beings that need God that are only doing what we know. That is so true. You mentioned in your book about the moment you really surrendered to Christ. And you mentioned before in the interview how you fell hard a pretty couple different times what was it like the moment you finally you said you were at a stoplight that you're just you're like I'm done God I am done taking control of my life it's all you yeah well you know I was surrounded by those kind of people you know sex drugs and rock and roll partying uh the girls that I were living with they had more money than they knew what to do with and they were dating men and working very compromising jobs and I was you know, working two and three jobs, barely making ends meet, auditioning, not booking a job that I was proud of or, you know, something that was more than a day or two here or there. And I just was really defeated and discouraged. And I was at the corner of Sunset La Brea at a stoplight sobbing. And I said, God, I don't know if you're real, but I have no will to live. I don't know why I'm here. I'm broken. I'm hurting. And I, I don't want to go on with my life because I can't, I don't know. I, I don't have vision. And, um, that was my stoplight moment, which is in the book. And there's a car right next to me at the stoplight beeping its horn. And I look over with my, you know, head in my hands, sobbing. And he's playing to the radio station. And Waves drives away, and the bumper sticker says, Jesus loves you. And so mm-hmm. I turn the radio station on, and it's basically a pastor repeating the words and the cries that I just cried out to God. So that was a huge, huge sign that God was real and that he was hearing and listening to me. Um, and that kind of spawned my search and to to walk and to, to eventually get saved and to really kind of start my walk with God. I love it. How would you respond to people who think Christians, once they get saved, they have it all put together and they're done facing trials and everything is peachy keen from that point forward? Uh, well, they're lying. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> they're lying, and that's really was the you know my whole. Uh, heartbeat for this book was I thought okay I radically got saved I went from partying to turtlenecks and sitting you know going to church and being in a bible study and that was I had a radical transformation and I was on fire for God and but the trials didn't end and that was like my honeymoon and God was everywhere I mean he spoke through everybody and everything and I just was in awe of how faithful God was but that was a season of, you know, I was a baby Christian, and obviously he pursues you when you're a baby. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, okay, you got to walk. you got to walk. you got to seek me. you got to walk through this stuff. And so um, I met my husband, who I've now been married to almost uh, 15 years. Been wow, together congratulations. Years. Thank you. It's easy. It's just all easy and perfect, isn't it? 100%. Well, <laughs> I'm single, so my relationship status with, is with the Lord, and that's great. 
Amen. Yeah. And, you know, and, and when I met my husband, I vowed to save myself until marriage. And I was like, I really wanted to do things the way God has called us to do them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the funny thing was, is the eating disorder came back with a vengeance after I got, uh, after I started dating my husband. And sometimes the attacks are harder when you are walking and standing for Christ. And I had a really hard time with that, you know, and, and I thought, wait a minute, I'm protected. I'm saved. And I, you know, I questioned my salvation. I questioned like, am I, am I being punished? Am I, am I in sin? You know, all these things that we live under, under condemnation and for years. And I literally lived my entire life through the lens of perfectionism, thinking that I had to just arrive and have it all together. And now I know the truth. Mm -hmm. I'm reading the Bible and I feel more messed up than ever. And so (laughs) That was a battle, and I really encourage people to just keep on keeping on because I really um, I wanted to walk away from my faith because I felt like something was wrong. I was doing it wrong. And so the battles don't end, and the trials don't end. We have the perfect one, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, but we really won't be perfect until the day that we meet Jesus. And it wasn't until I surrendered that idea of what I should be and where I should be at, at you know, at how old I am, that I was able to receive God's love and His grace, and, um, you know, it was, it was very free. That's amazing. You actually, you mentioned something about saving yourself for your husband, which is, like, a biblical tenet, but even today, like, I'm a millennial, and so many people in my generation, even Christians, people I went to college with at a Christian university, that was not a big deal to them. Why do you think mm-hmm. that this has become such a battle in front of us? Well, I mean, you look at social media, and you look at even mainstream high schoolers and it's it's normal and even when I was in high school it was normal to lose your virginity in high school and it wasn't like I was this bad terrible person but when you look back it's like I always tell my children and they have been some of my greatest teachers but it takes one one person to influence you to to walk off the path that God has called you to walk Mm. to walk on and so that's why it's so important to one be surrounded by people that have the same morals and values of you and also that can help encourage you with your peers. But it's, it's normal now. It makes it feel like, oh, you know, this is, this is what it is. And, and sin feels good to realize is it breaks you for years. I mean, I've had, I've had to work through, you know, I, I have three children. I've been married for almost 15 years. But I've had to work through a lot of trauma because of my own sin. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when you're young, you don't realize it. You just want to have fun. This is great. And, you know, but what really God, God really does. He knows the beginning and the end of your of your book, you know, of, of all of our books. And so he knows what's best for us. And, and it's not to just make you suffer and to think that everybody around you is having this amazing time, but he saves you, he protects you, and he loves you, and he puts those boundaries on you for a reason. What sort of resources have you used to work through your trauma? Do you have, like, any books you'd recommend? Have you gone through counseling, that type thing? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I went through counseling, in fact, when I was, at the depth of bulimia, when I was a believer, uh, a Christian counselor said, you really need to go to OA. You really need to go to OA. I, was, I went to OA, and I was like, wait a minute. God said I'm a new creature in Christ. Why do I have to stand up every meeting and say, hi, I'm so-and-so. You know, I'm a, I'm and a, I'm a bulimic, and take it on again. And I was like, yeah, it's like, why would I curse myself when God said, no, you're a new creature in Christ? And so I had a hard time, honestly, with some of those. And I know, but I also have people that have, been saved by AA, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, so I'm not bashing them. For me, it didn't sit right with my spirit. Um, I went to counseling. After a while, I got tired of hearing myself talk, you know. I never um, get tired of hearing and, myself talk. That could be a problem. Well, you know what? And 
right. Well, I, I hear you on that. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's different then. But I think I, I was tired of walking around the same circle of problems mm. that I was dealing with. And I'm like, I just want solutions. And at the time when I was younger, I didn't, I had so much self-hatred that I could not see past my sin. Mm. And I just, I was so angry and at myself. And I just was, I was just really condemned and condemning myself as well. Um, and I, you know, there was so little information on eating disorders and addiction when I was going through it. Um, and, there, you know, I read books on deliverance and books on eating disorders, and there was really nothing. And that's when back in that day, I was like, I'm going to write something when I'm free from this to help free others because I want them to know that they're not alone. And so, um, honestly, I went years searching, and, I mean, I was up in, you know, Christian books, mainstream books, and what I found, for me, personally, is God love heals first and foremost, His mm-hmm. love, but, you know, you really can't love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love yourself. So it's taken me years, and God has given me a beautiful, three beautiful mirrors. I have three children, and that has really taught me you know, okay, if you grow up and you're just mean to yourself because mm-hmm. we're not accomplishing, we're not achieving, we're not perfect. We don't have the perfect house or the perfect body or the perfect soulmate. And, you know, I, I've had to learn through that of just being really just towards myself the way I am towards my kids and learning to fall and saying, okay, get back up. You know, there's, there's no perfect in any of us. Um, we can all just walk each day, and I take one day at a time, and first, the kingdom of God. And so I just try to make a point to, to give everything to the Lord, pray, say, Lord, you know, Holy Spirit, what next? Really, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I had to get back to childlike faith and to love myself the way I love my children. Now, you talked a lot about you even had eating disorders once you were saved. How would you respond to people who seem to think that eating disorders may be a spiritual affliction that you won't struggle with if you are a believer? Well, I think the root of eating disorders is control, and Mm. it came in when I was a teenager. Uh, My mom had moved away. I had a very dysfunctional home. You know, I was heartbroken by my first love. I had all of these people hurting me, and so it was a way to protect me. So for most people that, that have a hard time healing from an eating disorder, I would say look at how many areas you need to control, because control is a huge, huge stronghold in my life. And um, obviously we know that we may feel like we're in control, but we're really not in control. I mean, God has our days numbered, and we can control things to make us feel safe, which we often do in life. Um, But I would just often say, you know, take it to prayer, because more times than not, we are holding on to it out of fear. You know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of fear in our lives. And when we really surrender that and trust that, um, you know, God can work, but I, I think we're really out of control. The more we try to control things, we're really out of control. But don't don't beat yourself up. I mean, I think there's so much pressure in today's society of Instagram and social media that it's it's awful. I mean, look at teen suicide and look at, you know, all of the things that we're dealing with now. And it's because we feel like we're supposed to have this perfect life. And and that's that's a deception. That is so true. Now, you mentioned control, and you've mentioned a lot about prayer, and this is something that's beyond our control, but what is happening right now with all the California wildfires? How are you dealing with that? Uh, you know, <laughs> I wish I could say, oh, I'm, I'm so good. Uh, I've, had, I've had a lot of anxiety the past week. I came home from The pictures are very scary. And, it like, is. the videos of, it like, is. off this exit, there is literally, like, it looks like a volcano has exploded. 
it, it, it really does. I mean, does it not look like the ap- apocalypse? I mean, it looks horrific. And the first few days we had ash. They pulled our kids. You know, we, our kids didn't have school yesterday. The air quality is really bad out here. Um, I've had a lot of anxiety. I, I mean, to, to know that to have everything, even disaster relief, or do you have everything packed that you want to pack away? So, you know, the reality is, is you realize when you're going through tragedy like this and seeing people all, all over the news within miles of where you live that they lose everything, you know, within a few hours. And stuff is really just stuff. And we have to just understand that this is not our forever home. I mean, we really are here to learn, to teach, to bring other people towards faith and towards God, but our forever home is in heaven, and um, you realize, wow, everything can be gone in an instant, and we really have to just take it one day at a time. That is so true. I know a lot of times in the last few weeks, especially people have really been condemning prayer, like the power of prayer and like, it's not just prayer that matters. You have to put actions into it, but how can prayer genuinely shift what's happening right now in the weather? Well, I, I, I believe prayer is powerful, and sometimes we think, oh, we're not making a difference, but when we have a praying town, a praying nation, a praying country, I believe, you know, we are we are becoming victorious in the spiritual realm, because obviously we we live in this physical earth, and w- with our five senses, what you see, hear, touch, touch, taste, and smell, but what we don't understand is a lot of it, this is a spiritual battle. Amen. And so we have to understand that we... We need to fight that spiritual battle, and we, we need to come together and come in unity and understand that, um, you know, prayer is powerful. Absolutely. And this last question doesn't really fit into what we've been talking about, but it's something I do want to address. In your book, you say your marriage to David is the role of a lifetime. What advice would you give to a woman looking to get married sometime in the near future? Well, we tell our young friends, you know, to find somebody that loves Jesus, and we Time and time again, David and I say, oh, my gosh, if we didn't love Jesus, I don't know if we'd still be together. Because you come through times and seasons in life where you're like, wow, you know, this is really tough. But thankfully, you know, when you when you are saved and you do love God, you have the Holy Spirit to convict you. So you can't run too far away from God before you get these nudges of like, you know, really, you're going to really hold on to this. And um, first and foremost, and again, I have... Many, many friends that are married to non-believers, and mm-hmm. they're amazing wives, and, you know, they're, I, I don't know how they do it. Um, but obviously, I would say it's a little more challenging. And the second thing is, is because David and I are very opposite, and God tends to do that for some weird reason that I don't understand, <laughs> that we're complete polar opposites, but to really have a sense of humor and make sure that, um, you know, you laugh a lot. I, I feel like I married my best friend, and we kind of lift each other up, and, uh, you know, just don't take yourself too seriously. Take time to make fun of yourself and know that we're on this journey together and um, to really appreciate it and to enjoy it. And I always tell my single friends, it's better to be single than to be married to the wrong person. I think that every day when I read the news about some (laughs) husband who has gone crazy, I'm like, you know what? That's okay. I say these things. I have a boyfriend. I have a lovely boyfriend, Um, (laughs) but I'm not married to him. So it's just like, Yeah. All right. On that note, we are actually all finished with our interview. Could you please pray us out and pray over our listeners? Yes. Well, Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for for the listeners, everybody out there that's hurting, that's broken, that's questioning, you know, the plan for their lives. I know that, God, you say, Jeremiah 29, 11, that you give us plans with a future and a hope. And I just pray that blessing over every single one of you out there 
Um, and I just thank you for the opportunity to be able to share my story. Um, I always tell everybody to never give up. Come as you are. God loves God loves you no matter where you're at in your walk, whether you're in the pit of sin, in the pit of darkness, or you're in the front of a church pew. God just wants to love you and to heal you. And he can heal all of the broken areas of your life. And I just seek blessing and protection in California and all of the natural disasters. And I just pray that peace that surpasses all understanding just um, just resonate in all of our hearts in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today and tell us about your book and a little bit of your life story. Oh, thanks so much, Jocelyn. God bless you guys. You too. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Christian friends, there are Jewish families in Muslim nations and anti-Semitic regions that are too poor to emigrate home to Israel, the land of their dreams. Ezra International is a Christian ministry that rescues them from these countries. Help fulfill biblical prophecy as God gathers his people from the four corners of the earth. Visit EzraInternational.org to pray, serve, give, and invite Ezra to your church. That's EzraInternational.org or call 352-394-4673. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.